0: People need to understand that your body can heal. Like really, and I think people hear it and they don't really understand it. You don't need to rely on outside source. You can live a life that is self-healing. And it may take time. Yeah, there might not be instant gratification, but that's, that's life, you know? <laughs> we don't take one breath and have enough oxygen for the rest of our lives. We keep breathing. <laughs>
1: Hey everyone, this is Helene from Coming From The Heart Podcast, an inspirational and motivational podcast about mental health, mindfulness, speaking your truth, and never feeling alone. Hey guys, tonight, my coming from the heart family. I have a really, really cool person sitting in front of me. Well, virtually in front of me. She's in California. She'll tell you exactly where she is in San Diego. Her name is Dr. Lindsay and she is an acupuncturist. And I'm not sure if you guys know much about what I went through when I was dealing with vertigo because I just recently have started posting a lot more about that. But all I have to say is acupuncture saved me a lot. When I was going through vertigo, it has helped me through pregnancies. It has helped me through the loss of my mom with bereavement. And it has been such a huge, huge component of my life. So I decided, I guess it was about a month ago, uh, Dr. Lindsay, that we connected or so, that I loved your platform. I love the fact that you empower patients to heal themselves. That is beautiful. And I just wanted to have your voice. So thank you so much for joining us. And how are you, Dr. Lindsay?
0: Thank you so much for having me. i'm I'm so honored to be talking with you. Um I'm doing really well. yeah, those those things you mentioned, actually, those are some of the, my favorite things to treat and help patients with. I feel like there's a real unwellness gap, especially around Those particular conditions, and those are some things that I get great results with patients with, with vertigo, bereavement, and prenatal and postnatal care.
1: Amazing, Um, amazing, amazing. Okay, so let's talk acupuncture. Let's talk, of course, the why and the how you landed in this world of acupuncture, and of course, the holistic component so that people get to know a little bit about who you are and why you're doing what you're doing?
0: Yeah, so I really fell into this profession. I'm going to guess it was divine intervention. I did not grow up in Northern California dreaming of being an acupuncturist. I didn't even have my heart set on healthcare or being a doctor or anything like that. I was in college in San Diego. It's where I still live and i was working part time in restaurants and thought you know i'd like to widen my professional you know experience and try a different job so i went to a career center and the first place they sent me was for a front desk position at an acupuncture clinic and i didn't know anything about acupuncture i had a vague notion that needles were involved but i had no idea why anyone would go to an acupuncturist um, what it was used for. And so I came into this clinic and she asked me what I knew about acupuncture, and I said nothing. She said, that's fine, but you're going to learn. Uh, if you're at the front desk, you're going to get a lot of questions about acupuncture. This was back in 2007, and not a lot of people really knew anything about acupuncture at all. And so it was my job to field questions, answer them. Honestly, um, you know, what's it like? What's it feel like? Will it help with this condition? Uh, Spoiler, yes, it will help with pretty much every condition. And so I had actually just been in a car accident and a little fender bender. But it was one of many whiplash injuries I'd had. So I was in a lot of pain. I had been a student athlete. And so pain was a part of my day to day life. I was young, I was still a teenager. And you know, I just thought, well, you just grin and bear it. I had tried conventional pain management, like taking medication. And I found as a high school teenager that taking a lot of that didn't really help my pain. And I didn't like the way I felt. And I was on the precipice of starting to abuse that medication. So I really just stopped, you know, thinking there was anything to do with pain, just grin and bear it, get over it. But she gave me treatments. And I didn't really ask for anything specifically. But I started to notice, oh, my neck and back do feel better. Oh, my knees feel better. Oh, I can breathe better. I'm not having as many problems with my asthma. And so I worked there for a number of years. I was persuaded to go to school by the acupuncturist I met. And it was an easy decision. Number one, there was a recession. So, what I had been going to school for, you know, a lot of my friends weren't getting jobs out of college. And I had a lot of support from the professional acupuncturists I knew who were very successful and their businesses were thriving during the recession. And I just thought, checks the boxes of what I want in life. I knew I wanted to do something that helped people. I knew that I wanted to be my own boss, and I knew I wanted to have a career that allowed me the flexibility to have a family. And I just realized that, you know, this was a good career to get into. I had the support of someone who's already in the profession. I was getting good experience working in the clinic and when i went to school it's a it's a 4 year masters degree to become licensed in california and just over those years i really i fell in love with the profession i i fell in love with the medicine i fell in love with learning all about traditional chinese medicine and chinese metaphysics and chinese philosophy so yeah i'm i feel pretty lucky to have found this profession amazing
1: a lot of things I'm trying to go back to backpedal here for a second. So to go into this profession and to become an acupuncturist in California, that is, you need a four-year master's to That's be able correct. to do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you are certified to obviously to practice and you're referenced as a physician and they give you the title if they say doctor. Is that correct?
0: So actually to become licensed in California, you'll hold the title of licensed acupuncturist or LAC. And you'll sit for a board exam, which is very competitive in California. It's the hardest acupuncture board exam in the country. And we have one of the highest scopes of practice in the country, which means that I can operate as a primary care provider. It means patients can self-refer. I don't work under any other medical professional. However, the doctor title only comes if you do additional trainings I got my professional doctorate after my master's, and that's why I have the title of Doctor of Acupuncture in Chinese Medicine. Amazing. Well,
1: congratulations, because I know that's not easy. Very, very difficult to study for that. Yeah, very, very yes.
0: difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's basically what you need to be able to do to get into the field. Now, every state is different. Is mm-hmm. that correct? That's On how correct. they certify as far as acupuncture. Again, I'm in New Jersey, so I've only had that done in New Jersey. That's amazing. A lot, a lot of work, a lot of determination, and really your narrative and your story is looking for a job and finding your why. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody does that.
0: I Yeah. I feel (laughs) looking back once I've kind of learned that kind of language of the why and the how, I think I did have a strong why, or at least I had a I had an understanding of what I wanted. Uh, comparatively, I have two parents, one who was self-employed and a consultant and you know, basically his own boss, and one parent who was in corporate America and also did really well professionally. And I got to compare their two lifestyles, their two career paths. I also had some family members who were in the medical field, so I think that's what gu- guided me towards saying, okay, you know, I would prefer the independent, <laughs> the independent business pra- person over being in corporate America or a corporate lifestyle. And I think that's why, even though I've always been very interested in health and wellness, I've always been very self-aware as an athlete and very conscientious of my health. I never had the desire to become a medical doctor or anyone in that field because I felt, even from a young age, that it was just too structured. There was too much hierarchy, too much bureaucracy going into that profession, and it didn't appeal to me. I didn't want to feel like I couldn't make my own decisions or I didn't want to be subject to burnout. And that's what I associated with that kind of lifestyle. I just didn't feel like it was fitting for me. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Completely different world. It's East versus West or West versus East, meaning Chinese medicine versus Western medicine. And I think that retrospectively, they both have positivity when used in the the right space, really. I'm a big holistic person. So medicine and drugs and all that stuff, I would much prefer to do the holistic route, just based on my own experiences of what I've been dealing with in my own world. So back to a little bit about you being an athlete. So what did you do? What was your sport?
0: I grew up trying every sport, but the one I probably did the most was soccer. I played soccer through college. And I started running track in high school. And I continued to run After, for fun, I was doing marathons, triathlons, those type of things, well into my 20s, up until I started to have children, and all of those extracurriculars took a (laughs) backseat during that time.
1: Totally, yep, totally, totally got it. And again, injuries that you had as a kid, or in college, or post-college, you mentioned when you first got into the world of acupuncture, as you were just... I should say, working the desk or sort of at this, you know, this space in in the front where people were asking questions and so forth, where you did say that you had whiplash. I actually had whiplash, too, many times in my 20s, -hmm. which completely messed me up um, and went to A PT at that time, a PT later in my life helped, but a PT at that time, not that I'm throwing the PTs under the bus, because again, it really depends on the practitioner. And I want to talk a little bit about practitioners just in general, did not allow my body to heal. And that's Mm -hmm. really where I want to get back to talking about acupuncture and expand that topic about how acupuncture, and I want you, of course, because you are the master of this being the doctor, to really have people understand the why and the how of why acupuncture is a great alternative as far as a holistic practice versus let's say traditional western medicine and i believe and i just also want to say from my experience it's a mindset would you agree with that when people come to you and they will okay this is what i'm suffering i love the fact that you can also uh, you mentioned you can kind of fit into that space as well as a primary doctor they want things fixed. Fix it now. We're in a very instantaneous world. Social media, click, I want it done. And we don't give our bodies time to heal. So your spin on this.
0: Yeah. So acupuncture uh, as a modality coming from traditional Chinese medicine works best when you understand that acupuncture is helping with qi circulation in the body. And qi is roughly translated to energy. If anyone out there is medically minded, the way I explain qi is that we study anatomy and physiology. Anatomy is the stuff and where it is. Physiology is how the stuff works and what it's doing. And I equate that to qi. qi is how physiology works. So, When we're doing acupuncture, we're helping to manipulate the chi the person already has in their body, help it to circulate, help to bring the body back to homeostasis. So we're really just encouraging the body to do the function that it's meant to do. So why people will have uh, different results with acupuncture is is going to base on what the chi is like in the body. Some people are going to have really strong chi. Some people are going to have weak chi and that's going to change the outcomes and the time frame in which they will see results. It is what I say is a slower medicine. Do we get sometimes instant results? Absolutely. I have been trained and I practice a style of acupuncture that, the whole marketing for learning this acupuncture is getting instant results and and seeing that you know we put a needle in and we affect a change immediately. You know we're treating your shoulder and see we get instant more range of motion or decreased pain. People can turn their head when they couldn't before. Things like that. However, to get long lasting results, this is really comes down to what I believe. You know, after being fifteen years in this field this really comes down to the practitioner-patient relationship. And is your doctor going to be able to guide you on the full path to healing? Because I really don't think it comes down to one modality is better than the other. I think that anti-inflammatories can work well. I think chiropractic adjustments can work well, physical therapy, acupuncture. But what it comes down to is that Eventually, you don't want to have to rely on an external modality to fix your problems. You want to use it as a jumpstart. And then your practitioner should be able to guide you back to doing things the correct way, whether, you know, if it's a physical ailment. Make sure that you're not overusing your shoulder, using it in the wrong way. Make sure you have circulation through that area. And then your body should take care of the rest.
1: I'm just thinking about my own personal of getting acupuncture, and what I want to relate to right now is when you first had acupuncture done to you. What was that experience like?
0: Oh my gosh, I hardly remember. I, I would say I was young enough that I didn't have any pre- preconceived notions. I do remember because I was young and I was really active in sports and I I had some other health conditions and a lot of pain. I remember getting a lot of blood tests when I was younger and I had a pretty common phobia of needles. Um, However, I think being in the clinic and just seeing right away that these patients were not afraid, they were not screaming in pain during their sessions and seeing the needle for myself. I don't remember being too nervous about getting treatment. I do remember, um, like I said, I was very young. I could not sit still for the sessions, and the acupuncturists really try to keep patients for forty-five to sixty minutes in a session. You know, laying comfortably, oh peacefully, <laughs> boringly. <laughs> yeah. And I remember probably for the first three to six months of getting treatment staring at the door thinking, is she going to come get me? When's this over? It was very hard for me to sit still. And, you know, that's common for a lot of patients at any age. It's definitely more common in young people. So that's something I'm mindful of too. When I have patients come in, I kind of assess their personality and know if they are going to be like young me. Now I can Happily, not for an hour, but you know, I've had two kids, so
1: (laughs) exactly, exactly. That's so funny. Yeah. So, what's the norm of the amount of time that you put the needles in a person? Again, maybe it's a more, a little bit more, a little bit less, but generally speaking.
0: Yeah. So we have a a saying in Chinese medicine that the cycle of chi will go through just under fifteen minutes through the body. So the way I was taught, in the style I was taught. You want no less than two cycles during a treatment. So that would be about 30 minutes. Um, And then it's really up to the patient and the condition. I keep my patients with the needles in for anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. I have had patients stay for three hours with the needles in. What? Yeah, I I do a different style of, yeah, I and to anyone who's had acupuncture before and maybe not experienced it the way that I practice, that can sound absolutely draining because there is a lot of movement of chi. It's like if anyone has ever had a deep tissue massage and just felt wiped afterward, acupuncture can have that effect. However, I practice a style that is a little bit more sophisticated in getting the chi to circulate. So most people feel, you know, they'll probably feel relaxed after treatment and some even feel energized, but they usually don't feel wiped out like that.
1: Wow. Okay. I thought you were going to say they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that you drink a lot of water. I know that hydration is excessively important. What I'm very interested is this special t- okay, let me rephrase this energy chi thing that you're doing. I'm probably screwing up all your terminology. It's a different technique that you were taught by a Chinese practitioner, and that's also what I want to get into a little bit. When you were doing your training, mm-hmm. were you trained by, again, because it's Chinese medicine? I'm not blanketing that Americans can't do this, but my go-to was their Chinese practitioners teaching you as well.
0: Yes, so the first clinic I worked in, the the woman is actually from New Jersey, Jewish woman from New Jersey, but she was a student of a really well-known acupuncturist here in San Diego who taught worldwide. His name was Dr. Richard Tan and he was from Taiwan. And he had many students. He formulated a style of acupuncture called balance method, which is based on Master Dong style acupuncture, distal method acupuncture. Master Dong was another famous acupuncturist from Taiwan, and a lot of people studied under him. And it's based on the I Jing, which is a classical Chinese metaphysical text. He had a clinic in San Diego. And she was a student of his. She would shadow him every Thursday morning up until his retirement. And I met him and I met some of his other students through working in this clinic. And so this was my introduction to acupuncture. I didn't know anything different for a few years until I went to school. There's a school in San Diego that's really well known. It's called Pacific College. And they have three campuses, one in San Diego, one in Chicago, and one in New York. And so there I was introduced to what people would call more traditional style, which is actually just based out of mainland China. It's technically not more traditional than what I learned because there's just a long history of what happened during the early 1900s in China with the diaspora of Chinese medical practitioners and them not wanting to modernize and they... There was a whole period of time where Chinese medicine was not taught or practiced. So, a lot of the school taught as the Cultural Revolution type treatments in the hospitals and what you would find in China, mainland China today. Wow. wow. So, yeah. yeah wow. So, the big difference with that is they usually do front and back treatments. So, they're mm-hmm. putting needles in the front, mm-hmm. they're flipping you over, putting needles in the back. They have a point prescription emphasis. They have a different way of diagnosing the body based on zongfu theory, which basically means they identify an organ system and then points that will associate with that. And what I practice is more of a channel-based system. So looking at the channels on the body and treating them. But that's a lot of really academic speak. How patients will know the difference is I'm usually just treating the front of the body. I don't flip you like a pancake. I don't treat in the sense that this is a point for this and this is a point for this. My points work together in harmony, like musicians in the symphony. I love
1: that. That's cool. It seems also just from my own experience, and now of course my son going to this woman who's from Korea, that every practitioner, whether, however you're training, you sort of just develop your own sort of Mm -hmm. repertoire. You got a little bit of this, you got a little bit of that. And then you sort of just, if I'm saying that correctly, if that's kind of, you know, you kind of just figure it out, you know, your own method of, of what you do and, and go with it, I guess, depending upon people's situation. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, I actually went through vertigo twice. I went through vertigo before my daughter was born went to a chinese practitioner at that time who greatly helped me that i was having nausea with pregnancy she helped me with that and then just recently well in the last three years i went through this crazy horrible vertigo and also went to a physical therapist who helped me out as well you mentioned that specific ailments like vertigo that you you have you you're good at that and that obviously you're good at all you what you're doing based on the patient's needs. If you just want to talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. Vertigo has been one of the most rewarding things to treat in the last few years. Like I said, I've been working in clinics for over 15 years and I would say really in the last five to six years, I've been seeing a lot more vertigo cases and my colleagues too. And it's been very, rewarding to be able to help these patients because oftentimes, well, just in general, I, I'm usually the last resort for a lot of patients. The tides are starting to slowly shift, but I would say for the bulk of my career, most people come to me, I'm their last chance. I'm their last hope. I'm their last resort. And so seeing them try different things and not really having any effect, and then doing a couple sessions and seeing their vertigo symptoms go away is really just life-changing for some of these people. So that's been really great to watch. It's, It's hard to understand if you're not a Chinese medical practitioner or know anything about Chinese medicine, how this is working a lot of patients are like i don't understand can you explain to me what's going on and i still struggle to translate why this is working for them but i also because i have been treating it a little bit more regularly especially in the last couple of years i've had quite a lot of people who have found me through youtube i put out case studies on youtube And a lot of them have found me because of things I've talked about how I treated vertigo. And I I really come at it from a multi-pronged approach. I look at a lot of different things that will be going on simultaneously. And that's a really big difference in my Chinese medical training than maybe if you went to someone in the conventional biomedical or, or Western medical world, is that a lot of people specialize or they're focusing on one system. And if especially if you're going through an insurance based model, you have to go through a lot of different steps to see somebody at the highest level. And just for them to say, like, say you went to an ENT for them to say, this isn't an ENT problem. Well, what could it be? I don't know. Cause I'm an ENT, right? So that I think is very frustrating about the way our conventional medical model is right now. However, when patients come to see me, I have the freedom, I have the ability, and it's not difficult for me to look at a lot of things going on in the patient's body and their lifestyle in the way they hold themselves for me to go, I have a pretty good idea of why you have vertigo, and I can address it right away.
1: You are a god. <laughs> when I and I, And I mean that in the strongest meaning. Because for, you know, and I, it's very emotional for me to even talk about this because I suffered yeah. greatly. I mean, that's the why and the how of the podcast, because I needed to figure out how to reach to a community that where I was cathodically healing myself that not necessarily everybody I was connecting to had vertigo, but I have to say when I was going through my worst of worst, it's se- it seemed like everybody had a friend or someone knew something. And it was uh, a combination of many things to get me back to you know where I am and so forth. But specifically with acupuncture, I feel like when you are at your wits' end, as you say, people coming to you and like you're the last hope, mm-hmm. that must be so empowering to you to feel that mm-hmm. because vertigo is a silently suffering. I mean, it's I'm not going to reference it as a disease. But it is in that you are not functioning; you are shut down. It is not anything anybody would ever want to experience. I have extreme anxiety about Mm -hmm. ever having it. You know, even now. Before I say that, why do you think that so many people and even your friends who are protect practitioners, well, are are dealing with that? Do you think it's environmental. I mean, they referenced so many things with me, allergies, menopause was massive. I actually discovered that later that I feel that a connection to menopause was for me, a crystal in my ear. Like what what is your take on that?
0: You know, I'm really just going to speak from personal experience. I can't speak from anything research-based. I'm just going to speak from my own personal observation on this, And but I do get pretty good results when I first started noticing vertigo uptick and maybe it was just in my sphere, but I noticed that there was a particular viral infection that went around um, probably late 2017, 2018. And it seemed like a lot of people after this virus started to get vertigo. They got over their upper respiratory infection symptoms and they were left with vertigo. And so One thing that I started to notice about that is around that time, time of the year in San Diego, we have what's called the Santa Ana winds, and it will become uncharacteristically dry and hot during that time. And so what I started to notice in my patients was that especially because there are a lot of transplants in San Diego, people would think, well, I'm not having any congestion. I don't have any allergies. I don't have any congestion because what was happening is they didn't understand that their sinuses are not just their nose or next to their nose. I'm pointing, but maybe no one can see me. The congestion can go all the way from their nose along the cheeks to their inner ear, and it can go up toward their eyes. And so one of the things with vertigo is you lose your balance. How do we have balance? We have balance through proprioception, which just means our bodies know where we are in space. And a lot of that proprioception comes from our inner ear and it comes from uh, our eyes, our ability to see where we are. So when you have sinus congestion pushing on those two areas it's going to alter how you're standing how your your ability to balance is and so conventionally when people are having upper respiratory infections or sinus problems they'll take you know over-the-counter medication or do things to dry that up well that actually creates more of a problem because when you dry out the sinuses, you're you're getting rid of the normal mucus and the sinuses are muscles. So they have to actually move kind of like your intestines have to move things through them to get rid of it. So you're getting this backup of inflammation and you're getting, I mean, I would just call it debris. Okay. I'm not an ENT, but this is just the way I understand it. And so when that's happening, people are getting a lot of Pressure in their head, and they're maybe not aware of it. It's not coming up as like my nose feels congested because it's farther back, and they might have a low grade headache. But unfortunately, also in our society, we've just become accustomed to a low level chronic headache. I think, especially with the introduction of so much increased screen time, which I think during that time, a lot of people by 2017, 2018, most people. We're staring at screens all day. I mean, most of us had smartphones at that point. We're using computers for work. I mean, that's the time that even I started to shift to electronic health records and noticed that my eyes were starting to not work as well. I always had really excellent vision and just staring at screens. So I think it was part of that, you know, it's part of the screens, it's part of the congestion. It's part of when you have screens, A lot of us are nearsighted so we tend to lean forward and that changes our neck position. Changing the neck position is also going to change what's happening in the eyes and the ears. So when I treat vertigo, I'm looking at those three things mostly. I'm looking at what's going on inflammatory wise, what's going on in the sinuses, what's going on with the neck and head. And when I use those three aspects, and I address them, people's vertigo symptoms tend to get better. Amazing.
1: Amazing, Dr. Lindsay. I, (laughs) I went, I mean, so much back story on me, which there's not enough time to even get into that, but I experienced Everything that you pretty much talked about, and who knows, maybe I did have a viral. I, I blame everything on menopause and 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 hormones, and who knows if that. But specifically, I had had whiplash in my life at one point. Screen all that, and and people, as you mentioned, think of congestion. As you explained it well, congestion in that you know not dry, like you you know you, mm-hmm. it's not a negative thing to be dried out, but yet it is. And mm-hmm. mentioned wind and I, it's funny. Well, even going outside in the fresh air and then that wind is blowing, whatever it's blowing, it's, it's going to kill you. It's, it's honestly, it's really probably the perfect storm yeah. for all this to, you know, to happen. And what I mentioned moments ago was anxiety yes. that happens with it clearly left me completely messed up in that in that space. And that is something I know of course I wanted to move on to that with anxiety and depression and all the different things that now, my goodness, so many people are dealing with and how acupuncture works for that in that yes. space.
0: Yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I've always had patients coming in for depression. However, since 2020, it seems like there was such an impressive uptick in anxiety patients. I would say that in 2020, I felt like my whole specialty almost went toward treating anxiety patients. And number one, what was happening in 2020, especially March, 2020 in California, I think we were one of the first States to do a shutdown. We were, the, I think one of the first ones to say, we're going to close down for two weeks, weeks—that um, the two weeks that never ended. And I had I, I worked in a clinic at the time under one of my mentors who was Chinese and we were in a largely Chinese populated area of San Diego, but we were also next to a lot of the hospitals system. So I was, we were pretty well aware of what was going on in late 2019 in China with, with COVID and we were watching it and you know, we have colleagues in the hospitals and we're starting to learn how they're treating it with Chinese herbs. So we're starting to, you know, get those herbs and prophylactically treat. And I'm talking to my patients who are doctors about, you know, what, what are the strategies your hospital's doing? So I, I made the decision for myself pretty early on, like when they decided to do a shutdown, that I was going to see if I was going to be classified as an essential worker. My husband's a first responder, so he was going to be working, and I wanted to see if my career fell into that, and it was a bit of a gray area. They didn't have acupuncturists listed, but they had enough similar professionals listed that I said... I called my board, but they had closed. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to stay open. I am going to take my, what I've learned. I worked in children's hospitals inpatient. I worked with uh, patients who had cancer to the point that you had to go in fully mask, gowned, booties on your shoes. You can bring in anything. So I, I took all of that training. I made my own protocol for cleaning the clinic. Well, I looked up as what to do in a pandemic in my ocean manual. And I said, I'm going to stay open. I'm going to limit who is allowed to come into my clinic and at what time. I'm only going to take severe cases, people who I can absolutely not help virtually. I started my virtual practice during this time. And what I found was I was getting a lot of calls for people who were having a lot of anxiety, people who are calling me mid anxiety attack, mid panic attack. And saying, are you open? They're just calling around because so many people had closed. They weren't answering their phone. They had no virtual practice. I mean, you have someone who's mid panic attack, who has anxiety. And it's probably about this doom and gloom of this virus we don't understand. And their only resource is going to be the ER, where they might come into contact with someone who's infected. So I was getting a lot of patients coming in for that. And helping to calm their nervous system with acupuncture, getting them started on herbs so that they didn't have to come in as frequently. You know, they could limit contact. But it was really, I felt it was really important that I did that. I did get, unfortunately, some backlash professionally, even from some of my own colleagues in the beginning, which was unfortunate. But I feel like I made the right choice. I felt like I helped a lot of people during that time. I learned a lot about anxiety and I learned a lot about how to make my practice flexible. You know, I think up until that point, I relied a lot on acupuncture as a modality, but in essence, I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine and there are a lot of tools in my tool belt. And. I really got to use a lot of them. I I was already working as an herbalist, but I would say probably, you know, at the time, maybe 10%, 15% of my patients were getting herbs. And it was like, during that time, almost 100% of my patients are going to get herbs. I was doing herbs. I was helping people just understand their lifestyle choices, understand how to move their body, just taking them through a virtual practice of You can get care. You can heal yourself with this condition. You don't have to be around people. But I also want you to know that your immune system can be strong. Your immune system can work. There's no reason, based on the evidence presenting in front of us, that with the right support, you should feel terrified by this virus. Of course, you should be careful. But you can do things to strengthen your immune system. I'm going to be here to teach you and support you. And I felt like during that time, I treated a lot of people that did have COVID. I was doing virtual consults and driving around San Diego, delivering herbs to the door, knocking and running away. (laughs) So 100% of my patients made it through COVID alive. So I was really happy with that. And I was really grateful that I had Chinese medicine at my disposal. I mean, I have a first responder husband. We had two young kids. We decided to keep them in daycare and we all stayed really healthy. And so I was really grateful for what I knew about Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine has a long history of, I mean, it evolved through pandemics. So that's part of our training is knowing how to treat these type of things. even if it's a novel virus. I mean, we we just have that training. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say Chinese medicine alone, you know, is going to take care of every patient, but it was enough that for the strong patients, the, I don't want them to be so sick that they have to wait till they go to a hospital, right? I could give them herbs and I could see them recover and I could see them not getting any after long COVID symptoms because we addressed it fully with the herbs and then acupuncture once they were non-contagious. Lindsay,
1: Dr. Lou, my, my head is like, you're the savior. You are really a special person. I mean, beyond, Uh beyond acupuncture. I mean, I'm so happy that you went into this field and were able to give you to so many people, specifically in that window of pandemic. I mean, you know, I, I was looking at you, your face as you were describing so many of these situations where all of us were at a complete loss mm-hmm. to have even navigate our day to day. And I was dealing with vertigo actually at that time. So yeah. I was like, I left my job January, 2020, and then the pandemic hit and everyone was like, oh, you were out before the insanity. I was out trying to deal with my insanity and then that insanity. And yeah. you know the fact that you could give people solace, that's really like you could give them solace. And I love how you mentioned about Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine is in the core of my heart because it has save me in so many different situations of my life of my families of so many ailments and and so forth i think the problem is that often western medicine or people's thinking process is just truly not there that they don't they don't really get it and even now with my son going to a korean practitioner for some mental health situations and not being on medication and i taking him off all all of that and saying your body you can heal and then the fact that you you know you stated you know empowering patients to heal themselves yeah. you we have the capacity to do that we just need the toolbox as you mentioned right and a practitioner like yourself that knows what they're doing knows what they're actually doing and even bringing this concept to not necessarily, let's necessarily say pandemic time, but to an ER space where someone's going in with a mental health concern and not drugging them. Right. Clearly, maybe in California, because California is California. I say, you got to go way, way, way. I mean, when I started acupuncture, my God, my, what am I, let's see, I want to really date myself. My daughter was born in 98, so like 97 when my cousin who was a doctor recommended acupuncture and I was like, Oh my God, what is that? Like, okay. California knows we'll just leave it at that. But what you, what you do is, is a miracle every single day. Honestly, I just wow. know that like, there's so many people that have so much stuff going on with them and we are a pill popping society Yeah, and it's nauseating
0: Yeah. Because- and- Yeah. I mean, I I really want to emphasize too, like, I don't necessarily think that Western medicine is not a good system. I think it's an excellent system. I mean, a third of my training in school is in biomedicine. So I use that training a lot. I think what has happened is that because biomedicine is the mainstream medicine and mainstream medicine has been taken over by insurance companies, which are for profit, that there is a business model to medicine. And if you look at what your doctor is going to do as part of a, you know, a part of the larger machine, then I think it's it's easier to understand. I really also developed in my practice, um, helping patients in like kind of a healthcare advocacy because I, I have a daughter with special needs. And so I've had to navigate this system myself. And I just say, you know, instead of getting upset about what your doctor's saying or doing or not doing, you have to understand that your customer, you go into that and you have an insurance plan that will only cover so much. And your doctor is trained to follow what is covered by your insurance. Your doctor does that, whether good or bad, okay? They, that's what they do because that's how they get paid. That's how their business, that's how the practice they work in because most of them are, don't own their own practices. They're not solo. If they are, they're you, know, you might get a little bit more. I mean, that's the difference of PPO versus HMO. And that's the difference between concierge medicine and PPO. So when you understand that, I think it helps have a little bit more empathy for doctors because they're trying to help you in their capacity. But like we all know, we all have a lot more access to information now. I mean, you can go into Google and find so much and then you can go ask your doctor. And this is where, unfortunately, I think some doctors get hung up is that they'll say no before they say, I don't know. And this is where patients will lose respect because if a doctor just flat out says, no, your IUD could not be causing you back pain. And then that patient gets their IUD out and their back pain goes away overnight. That patient's going to lose respect for that doctor instead of the doctor being curious and saying, well, I i mean, that's not in the medical literature. That's not in the pamphlet of the uh, product designers. We don't have enough case studies that have been published, but it's a, it could be a possibility, right? Then I think that opens a discussion between patient and doctor. So I I think that's what makes my job as a Chinese medical practitioner easier is because I'm in a world where we're allowed to stay curious. And so I think patients can get a lot more out of me and I can offer a lot more, but you know, that's no reason why medical doctors can't do that. And I'm really hoping that in the next few years that there is a shift. So all medical practitioners, because I'll tell you what, lately I've had to take over some of the job of my Western medical colleagues because they're just not ordering the right labs and, and interpreting them for the patients. And I have patients bringing me labs and I'm like, okay, I mean, I can do this, but this is not my forte. I'll do this because nobody else is doing it for you. But I'd love for, you know, your your Western medical doctor to go over these labs with you. Absolutely. But I'll do it because I'm trained and it's in my scope of practice. But I I don't want to be a jack of all trades for, I don't want to be everything to every patient. But, you know, hopefully the the world starts to, to shift and the medical field starts to shift. But I think it will only shift because, you know, medicine it is consumer-driven. So patients got to demand more from their doctors.
1: A hundred percent. So, 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 so well said, Dr. Lindsay. So beyond. And I love the fact that, yeah, it it appeared to clarify to my community out there. I'm not throwing every single Western doctor (laughs) under the bus. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly, as Mm -hmm. I always say. It's like in any profession of whatever it is, you need to shop. And I've had... Previous episodes in the very beginning, when we came on and started talking on the podcast about a bunch of different holistic ways or Western ways, you have to shop around and find that right person who's going to work for you. And if it's not working, then you move on. And absolutely, our Western medicine is driven by insurance companies Mm -hmm. and also the fact that the doctor is limited on time to have that patient doctor relationship where. They don't, maybe they don't even want to put that time in because maybe they're so accustomed that they don't even have to. But again, I think it really goes back to the fact that you have to find that right person that's Mm -hmm. going to connect to you. And if again, if you don't like them, then you move on. It's like shopping, it's like anything else. Do you, one store doesn't have it, you go somewhere else. And I think my mom taught me that way back when about a lot of different things. Doctors are not God, they go to medical school. My daughter was in lots of classes. She's a genetic major. And some of those people, I don't think she'd want them to practice in, They don't think she'd want to go to them, quite frankly. I mean, you know, that's just the what it is. And I think it's a personality thing, but i really back to the actual practicing of Western versus Eastern. I think there's the good aspects of of both in, in, in all different types of situations. And if one isn't really working, then you kind of gravitate to the other. But maybe yeah. they can be used in conjunction, possibly. For me, I, as I said in the very beginning, holistic is really the way that I would personally want to go because I know from my heart, coming from the heart, that uh, it works, that your body can have the capacity to heal itself. Mind-body connection, 100%. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think if anyone takes anything away from our conversation and I think from your platform is that, people need to understand that your body can heal like really and i think people hear it and they don't really understand it you don't need to rely on outside source you can live a life that is self-healing and it may take time yeah there might not be instant gratification but that's that's life you know <laughs> we don't we don't take one breath and have enough oxygen for the rest of our lives we keep breathing so. No, absolutely.
1: <laughs> it's our, it, And it's really the fast paceness of what we're about. Mm-hmm. And possibly, as I say, the pandemic slowed us down in that respect where people became more mindful, switched jobs, went into different yes. professions. And, and clearly, and thank you to your husband and to both of you beyond for your service during pandemic time. Because I believe that's when people really sat back and were like, Oh, let's thank these people for being the frontliners. No one even knew what that even meant before pandemic. <sighs> what is that what does that even mean? So, you know, again, Dr. Lindsay, you're you're amazing and um just keep doing what you're doing. People have to fly to California to go see you.
0: (laughs) Well, I do have a virtual practice, so you can always connect with me that way, too. That's that's
1: true. (laughs) So let's lighten this up a little bit. We have a a part of our podcast, I would say we because I was thinking my daughter, which is called a heart-to-heart. And Mm. a heart-to-heart is a space where a situation, a person, something has enamored you to where you are today?
0: You talk a lot about mental health and wellness on this platform, and I, I can talk about my own personal journey with mental health. I would say probably from an early age, probably from a prepubescent age, I struggled with bouts of depression on and off. Mild depression, but looking back, I didn't really feel stable in my home environment. I mean, I had good parents, but maybe they were you know, a little bit emotionally unstable, because they were young, and they had their own lives. And who knows, but anyway, I struggled with change. And so if I changed to school, it was hard for me to connect. And looking back, I didn't know the words for depression. But that's what I was going through. Fast forward to the birth of my first child, I had a great pregnancy, I had a Easy time getting pregnant, thankfully. I mean, I did use Chinese medicine to help me get there. Um, I pre-planned, but the birth of my son was extremely chaotic. There were a lot of crazy things that happened during the birth. Luckily, we were both healthy. However, it was very it was a very traumatic process. And I ended up having to have an emergency C-section. He was put in the NICU. But a lot of these things were not because of our health. They were just very strange choices because of what was going on in the hospital system. And what ended up happening after that was I was left with a financial burden that I shouldn't have been. The insurance was not billed correctly. And I felt like financial stability equated to emotional stability. It was a very trying time for me. Not only was I a new mom and I didn't I wasn't really prepared for the toll that would have on my body. I didn't I didn't prepare mentally or physically for having a C section. I didn't prepare. (laughs) I didn't know what it was going to be like to have a very large hungry baby. (laughs) So my chi was down pretty quickly. And I found myself um, having anxiety symptoms. However, at the time, even though I have medical training, I didn't necessarily recognize in myself it was anxiety because up until that point, most of the people that I worked with anxiety disorders felt it mostly mentally. You know, they felt a lot of worry. They felt a lot of overwhelming thoughts or hyperfixation on things. And there wasn't a lot of discussion about what was happening to them physiologically. And so the physiological symptoms started for me first, and I didn't understand what was happening up until the point where I felt really not myself. This was in 20, early 2016. And mostly I'd only ever heard people talk about postpartum depression. And I remember thinking, I'm not depressed. There's no part of me that wants any of this to end on the flip side there's a part of me that feels so scared that things will end, that's so like, so much fear. And that was the anxiety. So I started to think, okay, I have postpartum anxiety. And so luckily my mentor, Dr. Eileen Hahn, she teaches acupuncture worldwide and she was such a blessing in my life. She really supported my maternity leave. She really supported me in the beginning stages of my career. And she took one look at me and was like, here are the herbs you're going to take. You're going to come get treatment. She she cooked me food. You know, she really took care of me, but also mentored me. She also knew that part of my anxiety was I was having a really hard time transitioning to sitting still and being a mom and that being enough for me. I think at my core, I am a pretty ambitious person. I do derive a lot of value from how I can grow professionally and how I can reach a lot of people. And it was very hard for me to transition to motherhood in ways I didn't expect. I didn't expect that it would be so hard to sit still <laughs> for hours and hours and eat, just eat, right? Just eat because you know you have to eat so the baby eats. Um, and so she was very supportive in helping me with my career, helping me give me little things to do to help support the clinic, taking care of my patients during that time. And I was really grateful to her. But I, I learned a lot about Chinese medicine. I learned a lot about mental health struggles coming out of that. It was um, a, a long journey. And I did also seek the help of a counselor and did counseling sessions. I worked with other medical professionals during that time. but i I would say that I was really grateful to have her in Chinese medicine, and there was no way during that time that I could see myself clearly or treat myself. So that's one thing I would say for practitioners is sometimes we get caught up in in caring so much for other people. I mean, I, sometimes I'm you know, I'm putting needles in people all day. Then I'm like, when's the last time I had a treatment? Because you're just around it so much, you can trick yourself into thinking that. And you're talking about how to help people so much that sometimes you forget, you know, I've been telling everyone to go outside at sunrise and look at the sun and am I getting up at sunrise? Oh, I haven't done that in a couple of days, right? So I was really grateful to have her during that time. And I learned a lot. And I'm really grateful that I can transmute what I learned about my personal experience and help so many women through that postnatal period. Because what I've also learned since that time is it's not just right after having a baby that you struggle with postpartum anxiety or depression. I have treated women, their kids are well into their teens, 20s, 30s. And I identify that they have basically had postpartum depression or anxiety for that long.
1: Wow. How did you identify that? Just based on the conversation? Just based on their
0: history, based on their symptoms. I mean, they may know that they, they have depression or anxiety, but really their body never healed properly from childbirth and breastfeeding. They never took the time to heal and that's where it started. And so, I mean, just because you're out of that postpartum window of whatever they say it is, you know, six months, a year, 18 months, two years, if it started from then, then yeah, you're postpartum. It's you still after baby. All
1: right, 25 and 20. I'm okay. Maybe, you know, I think back to that stuff. No, but honestly, yeah, absolutely. You're. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for commenting on this practitioner who helped you so greatly. Because I know that when people are listening to Dr. Lindsay, they are going to be so inspired by your personal growth Clearly, you're dealing with your own stuff, and I believe that's why you're so, 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 so great at what mm-hmm. you do, because you just want people to be able to feel good and to be able to heal themselves and know that there are ways to do it within our own self and our own body. You just need the support, of of course, of someone like you. What I'm thinking, as I know we're going to wrap this, is there's actually a platform I'm doing in June, and it's about women's health Mm -hmm. and empowering women we can talk more about that at another time in space i'm not going to put you to it right now it's like i said it's in june i'm doing it with a really nice friend of mine her name's dina t and her platform is i'm saying this correctly empower to heal Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: yeah we we connected on a podcast and we're putting this whole thing together but her platform really is exactly what you're talking about about postpartum about so many things that women endure and post and not pre because pregnancy is pregnancy, but really after and not having the proper support, not having the right physician to talk to or anybody else. So it'd be kind of cool if you could come and say hi to us on that, but we will speak later. I know you're a very busy person, but you know, again, when you were describing that, I'm like, that would be really cool for yeah. Doctor to come on just to get more conversations going with this That'd this is so 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 fun you're amazing um again thank you for just doing you and just being that person that people can come to as far as an acupuncturist where can people find you clearly instagram yes you want to give yourself a little promo there
0: yeah on instagram i'm at acculincey I'm also developing a page for my clinic at Level Acupuncture. My website is levelacupuncture.com. Love
1: it. And
0: yeah, I I work with patients in the office in San Diego. I do have a virtual practice. And so you can go to my website and schedule online and learn more about what I do.
1: Amazing, amazing. And people can cross the line, meaning like, you know, when you go to a therapist, they can see you if it's not insurance based or anything like that, they can, I don't know if you take insurances or anything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I do work with some insurance companies. A lot of patients pay out of pocket because just because there are a lot of limitations on what insurance will cover, but yeah. And I also, I'd like to mention, I I have a YouTube page. It's Lindsay Trottier Acupuncture. I post a lot of free resources. I, I post a lot about case studies. I post a lot of exercises or tips on healing, seasonal healing. I try to post a video a week, but I think to date I have 150, 200 videos exactly. for people to check out, learn, awesome. learn awesome. to heal.
1: From my heart to yours, Dr. Lindsay, you definitely uh, have given me a plethora of knowledge. I know that everybody out there is gonna absolutely love, love this interview. Possibly you'll come and say hi to us in June on our women's health collaboration. I'm having some really interesting voices, international women, all kinds of people from all kinds of platform to empower women.
0: So I'd thank, love you. To. thank yes. you. Thank you. This thank has you. Been, oh, it's just been wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity to share. This is my passion. I could talk about it all day. I love it.
1: I love that you love it and we love you. So thank nice. you, thank you, thank you. Enjoy Cali time. You got a whole evening ahead of you. Yeah. And uh we will definitely speak soon. Everybody, thank you so much for checking us out on of course coming from the heart and we'll speak soon. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Please check out my episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and weekly Instagram Lives, where I am honored with talented, exceptional guests. Can't wait to see you all there.